Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Well, we're doing our show from Antarctica, or it seems like (laughs) Antarctica, Uh, snow and cold and everything else around, but... uh, this is Chuck Bonnell, Julie Hayden, the Chuck and Julie Show, True Straight Up, brought to you by... Brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine, HappyTrees.co, and Denver Cynogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. And we're going to be talking, continuing our ongoing series of interviews with people who want to be the state party chair. We're going to talk to Dave Williams in a minute. And then a ton of fun stuff today. Pete Buttigieg, he's on personal time, guys. So he, he can't, he doesn't have time to, to go to East Palestine, but Trump did. And then what do you see the bizarre interview that the four person of the special grand jury into Trump. Um, Valley girl. Yeah. Oh, you're not kidding. What an idiot. It's like, if you had, if, you know, if, if you thought it was crazy, it's, it's even worse than you think. But we have Dave Williams with us, former state representative. Dave, let's go. Brandon Williams, grassroots <laughs> hero. Hey, Dave, thank you for your time. Hey, Dave. You, you bet. I'm, I'm happy to take a break from my work and join you guys and talk about the future of the party. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, well, how's it all going? I mean, you've, you've got, uh, 400 and whatever it is, uh, members to try to contact and convince before the vote on March 11th, March 11th. So how are things going? I, I think they're going well. You know, the one, the one thing that I'm learning, uh, regardless of, uh, who the, uh, voters want to support is we're just tired of losing. We want to win and they're looking for, you know, the best candidate who's uh, going to put us in a position to win again. And that's ah. that's great because that's our message. Okay. Okay. So what what is it? What is your platform? Yeah. Go ahead. Explain your plan and your vision. You bet. You bet. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be done, but if I were to distill it into you know a concise and very clear plan, it's you know about five, four or five things that we need to do. You know, we need to close the primaries. You know, this is something that the party voted on a couple of years ago. You and I were there, Chuck. Um, it was in well, fact, we're leading uh, the fight. We were leading the fight. I, I think some right. people don't realize that you were, you were a leader of that fight, uh, very much um, helping out for communications and virtually everything else, fundraising and everything else. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the one of the best things about it is that when when we got to the question of should we litigate to close the primaries, that more or less brought everyone together. It was almost unanimous, you know, the vote. And so I think we need to not only respect the will of our party, but just principally speaking, yeah, we need to close the primaries. You know, number two, liberate, we need to protect liberate, the, liberate the primaries from the Democrats. <laughs> liberate the primaries. That's right, from the Democrats. Uh, the second well, thing yeah, well, is, everyone uh, was all on board except uh, the chair of the party refused to give, <laughs> refused to even do an amicus brief. And so it got thrown out of court, uh, that being the lead reason. But uh, pretty amazing that, that the uh, chair can just ignore the will of one almost 100% of its members. Well, I, I 100%, you know, make this commitment that, you know, when I'm elected, you better believe that day one, we're going to get that rolling. That's a, it's a must. It's a must have. 
you know, the second thing we have to do is we have to protect the caucus and the assembly process. Right now we have establishment, you know, members of our party who have quite frankly led us down this path where we were in a super minority and Democrats have a super majority. They're the ones, you know, who are trying to take away our caucus and assembly. And as, as the next chair, I'm not going to allow it. We're going to put up a fight. We're going to expose them and we're going to protect our, our unique Republican form of grassroots elections uh, here in Colorado. Uh, Number three, we're going to fundraise for counties and candidates. Um, We're going to, we're going to provide assistance and support, you know, to counties that traditionally haven't, you know, received the kind of financial or other type of resources that they, that they deserve and need in order to win. And uh, we're going to go ahead and build unity not through any one personality, but through our shared platform and principles. You know, if we can, if we can show a unified force, you know, with respect to our common shared values, while treating everyone fairly and not favoring one wing of the party over another, we're going to have unity. You know, that's 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 critical. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And the only way we're going to be able to move forward is if everyone knows and understands the process is fair and that our platform is the righteous cause to advance forward with. Um, right. And then lastly, we need to get the basic mechanics of the party going again. You know, we do need to have a better get-out-the-vote effort that incorporates uh, ballot harvesting, and we do need to up our game on voter registration. You know, if we can be competent with respect to those two things, as well as administering competent meetings where we're not wasting everyone's time, but we're you know, getting our legally mandated business uh, taken care of quickly, then, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a good day, good day and a good future ahead of us. All right. Well, let me, one question that somebody wanted me to ask you, you answer the first one, you know, yes, close the primary. And I think Chuck's right. I think in talking to some people who aren't as familiar with you, uh, you know, up here in the, in the Northlands, um, as opposed to you in Boy, the, the Northlands, yeah, today, <laughs> um, they were unaware of just how active you were in that closing the primary fight and how liberating much the primary. Right, liberating the primary. But if you, one of the things that people have noted is that, you know, the, the Brownstein law firm, which also represents the Dominion voting machine people, um, is also like the Republican Party law firm. What would you do um, about that? Well, we're not going to we're not going to continue with any at will you know, vendors or employees with the party for a number of reasons, you know, specifically with respect to the Brownstein law firm and Chris Murray, um, you know, putting aside the fact that there's a lot of mistrust there, I simply can't afford them. You know, we don't have enough money to continue, you know, those uh, type of working and professional relationships, you know, moving forward. One of the things that I'm fairly confident of, you know, after I win the, the election, there's not going to be a lot of money left you know, from the KBB administration, there's going to be probably <laughs> enough to keep us going a little bit. But beyond that, we can't, we can't afford a $5,000 retainer, you know, for a party attorney, you know, a month. Right. So right. that's, that's going away. Okay. And then what would you do if you need an attorney, just, you know, hire somebody, you know, um, for instance, for the, to pursue the lawsuit, things like that, just hire them as needed, so to speak, or you have Chuck and Randy. Yeah, no, I'm I, yeah, I think that that's what we would do. We would, and we, we would want buy-in. Look, the chair is not supposed to be a tyrant. The chair is supposed to facilitate, um, you know, in a collaborative way. So it's not going to be my sole decision. Um, it's going to be a decision, you know, in conjunction with, 
the uh, the other officers and the ex, uh, executive committee. You know, we're gonna we're gonna bring everyone together and we're gonna hire an attorney as needed and one who you know can be can be relied upon and trusted upon by every faction in our party. Well, you know, I guess if you're not like KBB, where you're constantly violating the bylaws and screwing over the counties, you don't really need a lawyer as much, do you? I mean, she's, she needed a lawyer to help her find tricky explanations for doing things she wasn't supposed to do. And if you aren't doing that, you have a way less need for a lawyer, I guess, huh? No, no, I'm not going to. My my approach is to treat everyone fairly and, and in accordance with the rules. Everyone gets a voice at the table. Everyone gets a vote. And we're just gonna we're gonna move forward with the the goal of defeating Democrats. I'm gonna I'm not my goal is not to fundraise for a party attorney. My goal yeah. is to fundraise to to kick Democrats out of office. <laughs> well, all right. Um, um, do well, know? how how do you compare and contrast yourself to the other candidates? Well, you know, I certainly don't want to take anything away from them. I I will tell you this, that no matter what the results are, we all need to come together and we all need to work together uh, because we all have our own unique strengths and, you know, abilities that we we bring to the table. Uh, but ultimately, I have a proven record, Chuck. I mean, I've served in the state house for six years. I've been a party activist for 12 years now. And throughout that time, you know, the one thing that's, I think, come through is that I'm a fighter not afraid to throw a punch. You know, it's a big reason why I'm running. I'm tired of losing and I'm tired of these, you know, milquetoast Republican leaders who have led us down this disastrous path who are afraid to go toe to toe with Democrats. We don't have a branding problem. We have a feckless leadership problem. You know, if we're going to win, we need to throw punches and demonstrate to the voters that Democrats are not only wrong on the issues, but they're complete and total scumbags. You know, they're corrupt. They're morally bankrupted. And if we just simply tell the truth and have the courage of our conviction, we're going to win the day. Well, you're from El Paso County, um, and you know where how the peak Republicans, Eli Bremer, Wayne Williams, all the rest of them, um, when when the grassroots wins an election, they do everything to destroy them. Um, and all the niceness, all the smiles, all the inclusivity doesn't seem to change because <laughs> all they want is to be, we're in charge and you're not. And until we're in charge, we'll do everything to screw you over. Right, right. Well, if I'm <laughs> chair, <laughs> I mean, they, that's what they do. But if I'm chair, you know, we're going to we're going to help the Republican nominees win. And, you know, I, I think a part of the problem that you're seeing is that folks just don't trust there's a fair process. You know, under my administration, we're going to make sure that everyone can trust the process. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you win some, you lose some, but if everyone can trust that the process was fair, then I think you're going to see a lot of these internal fighting and civil war type things, you know, dissipate. Um, but there are going to be those who are going to want to, they're going to want to just be, obstructionists. They're going to want to try and harm our party because they're not in charge. And for those people, we're going to hold them accountable. We'll expose them for who they are and we'll let everyone know these are the people who are really trying to help Democrats win and harm our nominees. What about, you know, Kent Theory has, so the Senate Bill 101, which was essentially to get rid of the Assembly and therefore the caucus, I think died at least for now. Um, but Kent Theory has already said, who's the architect of so many other disastrous policies we have here, has already said he's going to try to push it onto the ballot. How, so I think that's a fight that will probably be coming up 
soon, right? I don't know if you want, if you'll do it in an off presidential year or whatever, and I don't know how that would all work, but what kinds of things can you actually do to fight that? Because my concern is, you know, Christy Burton Brown, you know, she would kind of say one thing. And then when she held a news conference, you know, she'd get in a Twitter war with Kyle Clark, but then she'd get out there and she'd talk about the commitments to Colorado, right? Which were pablum, which was nothing. So would you, I mean, how would you fight that? And would you be a strong, outspoken person, we're, spokesperson for us? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. We're going to use the bully pulpit, and we're going to fundraise to protect and defend our Republican caucuses, and we're going to expose um, we're going to expose any of the Republican so-called Republican leaders who want to do away with the grassroots process we have. You know, the the Republican caucus is something that is, I think, sacred, and it allows you know it's a unique it's a unique system, unlike anywhere else in this country. And it allows for the grassroots, it allows for your average everyday voter and taxpayer to really get a sense of who's telling the truth and who's not. And we need to maintain and keep that in place. And we don't want to give give our elections away to wealthy individuals who are going to buy their way onto the ballot and bypass, you know, informed voters um, to get their campaign moving forward. It's a, it's a wrong idea. It's going to lead to even more disaster for our party. And quite frankly, our party will be completely irrelevant if we allow yeah. that to happen. But, so we're yeah. going to fight it, and we're going to fundraise, you know, to make sure the public doesn't vote it in. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, last time, uh, Prop 107 and 108, uh, Ryan, uh, no, excuse me, Steve House did absolutely nothing. Just sat there, watched on the sidelines, watched it basically um, destroy uh, the Republican primary, and he did nothing, uh, which is always. Well, yeah, that's why, I mean, like you said, you need, we need somebody. One of the things I hear from talking to everybody is they want a fighter. They want somebody who will, um, you know, not just get, like I said, in Twitter wars with a stupid media personality, um, but will actually fight up against the establishment because the, I mean, they've already told us, I mean, we've got, what's his name? Patrick Davis, who is, was, you know, Eric Oglin's campaign manager is now proposing a pay to play scheme and getting rid of the caucus and things like that. Um, and I think these people are serious about that, don't you? I mean, this takes somebody who's going to know, not only be willing to fight, but know how to fight and who to enlist to help them fight. Don't you think? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, we should not be having some pay to play scheme or some scheme that allows candidates to avoid the tough questions and buy their way onto the ballot. Not a good idea. And it's, it's terribly anti-Republican. You know, the caucus is a Republican form of governance. You know, you're representing your precinct and your neighbors, and you're helping to make the very best decision based on the facts. You know, this is something that we should hold sacred. And yeah, I'm not going to be on the sidelines. I'm going to fundraise and work with others. We're going to build a coalition to protect those caucuses. Uh, especially right. given that there is no statewide, there are, there are no statewide candidates except for the presidential you know candidate in 2024. We have a lot of opportunity to build a lot of bridges to ensure the grassroots voice is never silent. Let me let me read a couple of comments. Sandra says because uh, Dave Williams previously being in the legislature, he knows what happens and what we need in the Republican Party to succeed in Colorado. She likes what you said about everyone working together that's lacking in the party. And then from Charlene, Williams and Tina are equally good and have the same message. Um, and then came this is oh, Dr. Dunn. I think though the caucus thing got killed in the kill committee, um, and it hasn't oh, become uh, a ballot issue yet, but it will. Yeah, but it, it definitely will. You know, let me ask you that because that's what some people. Are going well, to well say. let me ask you okay. one other, another thing. I mean, the one thing everybody's watching for, and, and I know you're you're a solid aggressive person uh, 
as they could have. Uh, but everybody's work, working, watching for, hey, who really uh, will work for the grassroots? Because what has happened, I mean, KBB pulled an enormous upset over the establishment uh, champion, Scott Gessler, um, and then boom, she becomes day one, because that was their day one, uh, a, a total establishment hack. Um, and, and that's happened with Steve House. Steve House won overwhelmingly, and then Two weeks later, there's there's everybody down at Republican headquarters saying, you know, who are you having an affair with? What, what happened? <laughs> what happened to the thing? Uh, so uh, everybody is running this time. Even Eric Audlin is running on that. The they, they are they are grassroots Republicans. <laughs> how would yeah? So in what way? I guess that because that's what people want to know. How would you? differentiate yourself and i don't and you know i don't want you to talk bad about and, and i know you wouldn't but why why do you think we can trust you more you know what <laughs> sure. i mean to, not that we can't trust them but you know what i'm asking sure sure because i have a proven record of success yeah. i have a proven record showing and demonstrating that i am not that i'm not establishment that i'm i'm every bit as anti-establishment as anyone else running in this race and the fact that I got primaried all three times, you know, when I was in the state house, kind of speaks to that, you know, very notion. You know, I've only offered bills that have empowered the grassroots or empowered everyday working taxpayers. I've only fought for things and succeeded, you know, on behalf of the grassroots uh, because I am a grassroots, you know, fire. The reason I got involved in this is because I was a pissed off Republican, noticing that the so-called Republicans who are saying one thing but doing another are the ones really ruining our party. I had enough of it, and that's why I ran the first time. That's why I'm running now. We need, we need true believers who are going to go forward and, and champion and advance our Republican ideals. And we'll get unity through our platform. You know, and that's, that's well, that, that's be, an interesting we question. We don't it. have a party platform, as I found out oh, yeah, the other day. Need I, I need to give uh, Kevin Lumber and give my official apology to him because he said, I don't think we have a party platform. I thought we did. And all we did, if we had one, we don't really, but we kind of uh, adopted the 2016 Republican platform informally, I guess. Um, so, so what is our platform? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And when I, when we speak about the platform, we, we are referring to sort of the national, the RNC national platform that was adopted. And if we need to, you know, put pen to paper and make it official here in Colorado, I'm happy to do that. But ultimately what we're talking about here is limited government, more freedom, you know, for the individual, we're talking about, you know, our pro-life plank. We're talking about, um, election integrity and making sure that we can trust and have secure elections. We're talking about making sure that our taxing and spending is, is low and that the crooks in power, regardless of the political party they're affiliated with, aren't taking that money and giving it to their friends. I mean, these are basic principles that unite the Republicans. And if we just rally around those things and talk about how the Democrats are, you know, lying, cheating, no good so-and-sos, we're going to win the day. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Donna asked Unity, please stop with the Marxist slogans. I, I, I must say, I must admit, I think anybody running for chair has to say Unity, but we we grassroots are quite used to be Unity, meaning fall in line <laughs> with the establishment. the establishment and otherwise there is no Unity. I mean, as Dick Wadham said, uh, and at least he was honest, uh, he said, if any grassroots person makes it through the primary, I promise I will not support him, nor will I vote for him. 
And he's the leading well, voice. He's the leading he, voice in the establishment. Well, go good good riddance, I'd say, to Dick Wadhams. If he doesn't if he doesn't believe in our party, he's welcome to leave. You know, the at the end of the day, when the establishment talks about unity, it's unity surrounding a person and a personality. And that's never a good idea. When I talk about unity, when the grassroots talks about unity, we're talking about unity of principles, platform, and purpose. And those are the things that are bigger than any one individual. And if we can, you know, show uh, show that we're loyal to, you know, the, the common uh, values that we have that have, you know, they're at the foundation and base of our country, then then we're going to be unified. You know, but, you know, we can't just ignore this concept of unity. I mean, it's it's in Scripture. Even Abraham Lincoln referenced it. A house divided against itself cannot stand, right? Well, what can unify us? And I, I posit that what can unify us is, is our principles and, uh, you know, fairness uh, towards everyone. Well, and, and winning a little bit would help, too. Let me ask you this, because to sure. me, this is a hugely important. I mean, Chuck and I were talking earlier. I'm like, you know, normally no one really pays very much attention, at least the average person out there, because they don't get to vote in it, to the state party chair race. But this, to me, if we don't get somebody in there who's willing to fight for the Republican Party, by the next time we have a chair election, there's not going to really be one, because Kent Theory will have pushed through the, uh, you know, getting rid of the assembly process and the caucuses. Um, the Democrats will have fine Tuned, and they've already fine-tuned their ballot harvest, and they'll fine-tune their meddling in the um in the stupid open primaries. I mean, I, I, there is, I think, the wrong the wrong leader at this time. I think would be a huge mistake, and I think the right leader is absolutely crucial these days. Yeah, we need a wartime leader, and that's all I've ever done is make war with Democrats and the crooked establishment Republicans in our party. You know, they. They have every right to have a say on how, you know, the party should go, but they by no means are the majority. You know, America works through through a majority rule system, and they can have their say, but, you know, um, they, they can no longer have their way because their way has given radical Democrats a supermajority in our state government. They need to take a back seat, and they need to allow others to have a shot at this. Okay. Somebody me- said, I've heard that... Um- the Colorado GOP staff really run things. The paid staff. Paid staff. What would you, what's what's your response? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. There's an old axiom in politics that staff equals policy. Um, but with respect to the new uh, chair, whoever it's, it's going to be, um, there's no money, so there's <laughs> not going to be any paid staff. You know, what we're looking at is a situation where. The officers are going to have to pick up the slack on the day-to-day operations, and we're going to have to start rebuilding, you know, our fundraising and everything else in order to be successful. So, if we're going to look at paid staff, then that's that's going to be down the road 2024, and it's going to be a, a <laughs> process where we're, you know, not picking everyone with nepotism in mind, but rather who's the most qualified merit-based. And I can say, having been down the to the Republican headquarters, the Staff does not run everything. Um, the chair runs everything, right. and the donor donor class control the chair, and therefore they control the staff. It's not the staff that controls everything. They just they have a job, and they're told what to do or not told what to do. I think you're right. Yeah, it, it, it's it's Joe very- Jackson does not run the party, nor does the other woman who I forget her name, but um, they they do not run the party, but uh, they do they do whatever the chair 
tells them to do. And the chair does, whatever. Well, whatever the donors tell them to do. That's right. Well, Dave, listen, let me just a couple more questions for you. You know, I sort of final comments. And then how if people want to get hold of you or support you or help you or find out more about you, can they do that? Sure. Uh, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to start winning again. We need to start throwing punches at Democrats. We need to be, you know, having our candidates with a little bit more backbone and and um, you know a little bit more loyalty to the platform because I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you think you can appeal to the swing voter. You got to maintain the base. You can't maintain the base. You're going to lose every time. So the new Republican Party, you know, that if I'm fortunate enough to lead, we're going to focus on on our party's platform, advancing those values and taking the fight to the Democrats and restoring some good old fashioned competency to the job. You know, let's be competent and let's be uh, people filled with conviction and then we'll win again. If people want to reach me, you know, visit my website. It's daveforgop.com. That's D-A-V-E-F-O-R-G-O-P.com. All right. All right. Well, you know, I'd like to just give my own personal endorsement for Dave. Um, I know a lot of people don't know him, or but I've known him for quite a long time. And I promise you he's not a KBB. I promise you he's not going to be bought off by Anschutz uh, and everyone else. Um, he's a really good guy and a real true grass conservative because I've seen him fight for liberating the primaries and fight for other things and fight against KBB and the other ones. So uh, he is going to be somebody who will throw punches and will do what he says. Mm-hmm. Well, there, you there you go. All right, Dave, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you for having me on. You guys have a great day. All right, you Bye-bye. too. Thanks. All right, Dave Williams here. Um, just to remind everybody, so we had Kevin Lundberg on last Friday. Tina Peters was on Monday. Dave, today we're going to have Eric Odlin on, on Friday. We've already had um, Casper on, but we'll have him on again too. Um, oh, Dr. Dunn, we didn't see. Yeah, I think, Dr. Dunn, I think I could probably answer for Dave if he would support candidates such as yourself. I think what Dave is saying, one of the things he wants to do, I mean, he supports grassroots candidates, right? And I think as the chair, he, he talked about one of the things he wants to do is help get some support out to the individual candidates in the counties, which um, Chrissy Burton Brown basically just wanted to control the counties and the, and the individual candidates. So it was a whole different kind of thing. Um, was there anything else? Um, the staff note oh, from Charlene, the staff knows the end runs, how to implement out maneuvering the grassroots on behalf of the chair. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's why Dave said he'd get rid of Chris Murray. That's true. I mean, that's what I think their job is, is to to figure out how to do what Chrissy Burton Brown wants to do, which is what the donors want to do. So I think it's, it's a huge race, don't you think? And I think it is huge. I think people don't understand that that basically what has happened when the uh, Democrats have defunded the party so they can control very little or nothing, which is just great by them because the real people that run, run things are people like Ted Trimpa and other ones. And Barack Obama, um, Susan it, Rice. It, yeah, it's, it's not these dastardly staff it's the fact that we're so tepid and pathetic and dumb um run on things problem run, run on things like affordability what the hell does that mean um it means nothing uh so either to get some people with some some brains um brains and and fight so all right but now so that's enough for that we want to switch gear because there's a lot of other fun stuff happening um and you, as y'all know 20 days ago now there was that horrific 
trained to ram in an accident, spewing toxic fumes into the air, into the water. I think everybody's seen the video where that the EPA is like, oh, it's fine. 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 Drop a rock in there and all this. Out. And um, so Joe Biden is too busy going to Ukraine to ensure that they give him more millions of dollars for their billions of dollars. And, and then then also to make sure that uh, Poland gets all the nuclear energy plants it needs because so we don't need any. We, we want- so with Biden is going there to make sure that Ukraine gets its pensions, who's controlling the pensions? Is that like some new kind of Hunter Biden enterprise, right? Where sure. he's, he's so now like, invested. So anyway, well, Biden's doing that. So he's too busy to go to Palestine, Ohio. He's Palestine, Ohio. Pete Buttigieg has been very busy, too. In fact, but he's on his personal time. So yesterday, a, a reporter for the Daily Caller caught up with Pete Buttigieg in a public street. He's an elected, or not an elected, but he's an appointed public official and tried to ask him some questions. And here's what happened. If we could please play the Pete uh, videotape, please. Hi, how are you? Jenny Tarr at the Daily Caller News Foundation. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now? Well, I've referred to about a dozen interviews I've given today, and uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, make sure to reach out to the press office. I've had a conversation with you. You don't have a message for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I've referred you to those comments. Do you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time. And I'm okay. Are you going down there? What's that? Are you going down there at all? Um, yep. Yeah. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, thank you. Can I get a photo? Yeah. What the heck? What the heck is that about? So first of all, he's like, I, you know, I'm not going to answer you because I'm taking some personal time. That's what Pete Buttigieg does. Wasn't there some other disaster where he was on maternity leave? All he well, does is first take- two months in office. He's Let's keep, by the way, he had his protective detail there, right? So, you know, advice from a politician, never keep walking like that because you look like you're running and you are running. But what the heck is he doing taking her picture? Is that to intimidate her? I'm sure that's what it's for, to sure. target her, to try to say, don't let this person in my office office she's stalking me and harassing me i mean he was getting blasted by other media people saying what the heck was that so that's how the biden administration handles i mean you could see he could care he's he's more concerned with targeting the reporter for harassing him than he is for these people have been 20 days having no clue whether they can live in their town anymore right so just to compare and contrast, we have another videotape today because Donald Trump brought in truckloads of bottled water, showed up at McDonald's, bought McDonald's for everybody for and, and for the workers. And so here's Donald. This is just a quick video clip of Donald Trump who showed up today in East Palestine, Ohio. If we could please play the Trump video. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Make signing hats. Thank you for not forgetting about us. Thank you, Don Jr. 
So, okay, so there's Donald Trump. He wades into the crowd of people, talks to them, talks to the reporters. He doesn't say, I'm on my personal time right now, right? <laughs> doesn't say, you know, when the press asks him something, say, I'm going to refer you. You know, if you want to set up a news conference with me, you can do that. That's how Trump handled it. And you guys, that's that's what America First looks like, right? That's why we need somebody like that. And, and the, so the Biden administration, after all of that was, um, done, Pete Buttigieg is now going to go tomorrow. tomorrow. Right. All of a sudden he's going tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> um, you guys have been so many great comments, but Trump better be careful from Jacob. The Dems might charge us with an insurrection charge. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, about Buttigieg, this is from Stephen. There have been a ton of derailments, all kinds of issues with trains. People, uh, train employees have been complaining about unsafe railroads. But, but luckily he explained the other day that he is mayor of South Bend, which is a very small city. And small, it's much small in Westminster, by the way. Um, I said that as eight years, he had to deal with both human and and uh, natural disasters, and he was pa- ready for and, and potholes, which he wasn't so good at. He, he wasn't so very. Because here, here, ask yourself the question: Why not go there? Right? It's why would they not want to go there? They first they tried to blame it on Trump. Like richer people, like I mean, even the mainstream media didn't buy that. And why is Biden going to go to Ukraine and he's going to talk about stuff going on in Poland and make sure that the Ukrainian pension hedge funds, which are run by his rich donors, are all well funded, um, but they can't bother going there. Um, and and the thing is, guys, and this is what we got to remember, and this is why somebody like Donald Trump is so important. They know what they're doing. They're not just stupid. They're not going there because they don't care. They don't care about us. And they think they have everything under control. So they don't have to care about us. They think they've got the elections rigged. They I think do. they have the food shortage situation going, the, the energy situation, prices are going sky high. They just want us on our knees, begging the government to save us. And they're going to keep doing things until that happens. So do they care if there's a trained derailment? No, mm-hmm. they don't care. They're going to go in and take over the town. Those are a bunch of pesky, grassrootsy looking people anyway. No, they don't count for Did you see a billionaire among them? No. No. Not a single billionaire. Not a, except for Donald Trump. Who yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, I don't know if it's campaign money or something or his own money, but I mean, Donald Trump isn't like, well, you know, I'm going to have to go through FEMA to get everybody hamburgers here. So <laughs> that's a thing to remember. It, should, it Not only should it disgust you that they aren't going, the Biden administration and Pete Buttigieg can't even ask a reporter, answer a reporter's question because he's on his personal time. Jacob says South Bend has Notre Dame. True, but Westminster had Westminster College, which went, went under in 1893, so... It's probably better off than Notre Dame. That's days. right. Well, then, yeah, Charlene Buttigieg was a Buddha plug, was supposed to go today to upstage Trump, but must not have pulled it off. Well, I think because he couldn't, right? I mean, would you, frankly, want to go up there and have, like, your typical Joe Biden, you know, like, little paid people to stay, to attend it, and then you go to the Trump people, everybody loves him, so... um Oh, this is from Jacob. Remember the Adams family when Gomez used to blow up the trains? That's where we are today. <laughs> That's true. Oh, and now you guys are talking about all your criminal activities from Leo Sander. I remember putting a penny on the train track as a kid, allegedly, and did not derail it. So yeah, well, I, did, I did better when I was 13 years old. We owned a minor league hockey game and threw pennies on the ice. And that caused Ooh. the players to trip. So they kept the stance and hit us with their sticks and then they grabbed their sticks. So, <laughs> what? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little juvenile delinquent. I've never heard that story before. Oh, yeah. That was a famous So, anyway, that's what's going on there. And I think that was just kind of fun to show. And, and again, 
Trump cares, right? I mean, yes, Ohio is a battleground state, so it's smart, but he he didn't just go and like Biden does or Hillary Clinton does and just go straight to the press conference. I guarantee you when Judge goes tomorrow, he's not going to be wading into the crowd. He's not going to be shaking hands. He's not going to be talking to any reporter who asks him a question, right? It's going to be well-crafted, totally managed, totally fake. And then he's going to leave without giving them so much as a bottle of water. When Leo all wants to know, go. did you bet on any of those hockey games? Not as a 13-year-old, I wasn't that smart. <laughs> well, particularly if you were going to rig it by throwing. Well, then on the I should have bet on it. I should have. Okay, there's another thing I wanted to talk about today too going on. So there has been in Georgia the corrupt DA convened not a real grand jury but a special grand jury, special, which is no grand jury. It's, yeah, that's just it's it's a witch hunt is what that is a kangaroo court and a witch hunt to look into whether Donald Trump. Uh, wrongly pressured the uh, Secretary of State Raffensperger to try to find more Trump ballots mm-hmm. in the 2020 election, right? right? right. Um, and this has been going on for like ever, right? Now, this is, it, it doesn't have any power to indict, but it can make recommendations and to so indict. It's, it, it's a way, a DA, of deflecting uh, blame from themselves because then they say, oh, well, they recommended it, not me. Yeah. I'm not- and even, even more tricky than that, what it is, and we saw this with General Flynn, it's sort of a form of lawfare. So because yeah, really. they indicated, well, they may have people may have committed perjury. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's what they mean by that. And the conservative trios explained it well. Let's say I say you, Chuck, you know, ran over a dog in Chicago in August of last year. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you deny that. You say, I don't. You say, I don't have a dog. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't in, in a Mercedes. Uh, yeah. I wasn't driving a car, et cetera. And, and by the way, I was on vacation, you know, out of the country in that month. So then they interview me, his wife, and I say, no, our vacation was actually in July. Right. So then what they're going to do is now accuse me of committing perjury or to, or to, to try to chuck, pressure Chuck mm-hmm. into pleading guilty to the charge you wound up to. See what I'm saying? It's a, The whole thing is a trap to ask you a bunch of questions and a bunch of people, a bunch of questions, hope that some of them contradict each other, not on anything important, but on minor details. And now you charge people with perjury. And now you say, well, you have to testify against them, et cetera, et cetera. That was the whole point of this, right? Um, and they've been kind of leak. Well, it's not leaking because there are no rules with a no special rules. grand jury. They can say whatever they want, really. Um, and they're saying, oh, yeah, we think. And, you know, they've been hinting at stuff, but nothing's happened. Well, so they're little Gen Z snowflakey jury four person. This is a four person, the head of this. The head of it, right. This is from Sandra is really an airhead POS. You aren't kidding. Um, this young woman, um, or she's probably a they has been making <laughs> the media circuit. I mean, I grant, I mean, granted special grand juries, you know, don't have the same secrecy rules. But typically, when you are contemplating or the DA is contemplating finding the criminal case, you don't really like your grand jury people out there rambling on and on about no, you're how bulky con- it was. Because you're controlling it. You're, they're your grand jury. You're the one who's telling them what to do. What are they doing on the street? Showing up what what a joke your proceeding was. And talk about how biased it was. So this is a snippet from this person's one of the interviews that she did. So if we could please play the four-person soundbite, Thomas. Want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, Do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. 
I mean, it's like, well, there you go. That's a good reason to criminally charge somebody and try to destroy their life because it would just be awesome to do that, right? I mean, and, and that was like the smartest thing that she said, okay? Then she also said, yeah, she'd been discussing all of that with her boyfriend and telling him. So so the whole thing is she's like, that'd be really cool. I'm mean, going to swear Trump in. Trump wisely did not go do that. Well, Biden had one job, this is for sure, to go up the stairs without tripping. He didn't make it this far. <laughs> you know, yeah. And then from Leo, the grand jury for a person, person probably got fired at McDonald's. No, Leo, a person like that does not work at McDonald's. She's been working remotely from her parents' basement or for something. For a nonprofit. Like for a nonprofit, exactly, for a nonprofit. But then what's funny is the corporate media is once again, so they're the ones who kind of create her, right? They have her on her show. They ask her all these questions. And even they are stunned at just how out of control biased her comments revealed that grand jury was. If we could please play the kangaroo court soundbite. It's a horrible idea, and I guarantee you that prosecutors are wincing watching her go on this. I was wincing just (laughs) watching her eagerness to, like, you know, hint at stuff. It's painful in that respect. This is a very serious prospect here. We're talking about indicting any person. You're talking about potentially taking away that person's liberty we're talking about potentially a former president for the first time in this nation's history. She does not seem to be taking that very right. seriously. There's no reason for her to be out talking. No, to There's a, right, it's okay. a prosecutor's nightmare. I've never heard. I've covered courts on and off for the last twenty years, uh, more than that. I've never heard of a, of a grand jury four person speaking this way. Now, this is a fact finding grand jury. This is not a charging grand jury. But even still, I've never seen anything like it. If I'm the prosecutor, I'm not sure that I want this media tour taking place because I'm confident that Donald Trump's lawyers are going to use this just based on what I was hearing last night from people uh, to try to argue that this is prejudicial in terms of what she's saying. Yeah, this is this. Her name is Emily Kors, the four woman on Georgia's special grand jury investigating Donald Trump, sat down for multiple interviews. Um, and that's you kind of hinting at things. Oh, there are no major plot twists or this or that. But it's just it's completely inappropriate now and, and again it just shows how they weaponize it right yeah. uh, i mean it's like they just go after that to kind of see whatever they can do and in the meantime all the corporate media breathlessly report oh people committed perjury implying that they're lying about something important right mm-hmm. which they're not they by the way remember they released the tapes right remember, they released the audio tapes of the phone calls right yes. between yeah. trump and, and there was nothing in there really. right. so yeah. it's kind of like you know um Dr. Donna says, is she a Dem in the Colorado legislature? Yeah, yeah. She She'd fit be. right in. She'd Brittany Peterson, too. Right. But that's another thing to be concerned about, though. It's I mean, out in the U.S. Congress. Yeah, really. Um, the, the the weaponization of the justice system. Yeah. I mean, there's another somebody else is going to charge Trump for something else in New York. I, I mean, the, the guy, you know, talk about a fighter, right? Um, I, you know, they are never going to stop. And he knows that. And that's enormously expensive after a while, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you want to be on Trump's legal retainer <laughs> list. But but it, but they're never going to stop. They're well, always going to find something. One of those just got out of jail. Yeah, really. They don't care if there's nothing there. And then you have this idiot four-person start wandering around, you know, doing interviews, where even, like I said, even you know, Anderson Cooper and Maggie Haberman are like, yeah, I've never really actually seen anything like that. And this is not good that she's doing well, that. Well, yeah, actually, it is good, because well, it shows you what the process is. They want to keep everything secret, secret, pretending it's, it's some kind of solemn, right. honest proceeding when it's not. So I think it's great. Oh, I think it's great, too. I think that they should have her on all over the place. Yeah. I think that, you know, that'd be the kind of thing they can ask her more questions about what they said. And it's from Sanders, she agrees. Um, so and did you want to then talk about back to the 
But circle back around to the debate tonight. We got a debate. Uh, Dave Williams will be down there, and all the other well, candidates will be down there. A debate between tonight and Parker, the, ch- the chair candidates. Uh, Castle Rock. Oh, is it Castle Rock? Okay, uh, for the Republican Party. Yes, yes. I'm going like- down. I'm going down with with barbaric Ben Nicholas, <laughs> <laughs> who is who is a, a big supporter of uh, Tina Peters, but. Um, It'll be it'll be it fun. It should be an interesting drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always argue. Well, so, well, well, Peg Peg Cage is joining us. Uh, Anna Ferguson is joining us. So this be this will be just a rowdy group. Well, you know, it should be a debate. You know, and let me ask you on this. And if people want to weigh in on this too, because I know I was in a meeting last night and people were kind of saying, which I agree with. I wish that. That, you know, first there was nobody running for state chair, then Casper was, then Eric came in, um, and then um, then all of a sudden, boom, you know, Tina, Kevin, um, I think Aaron Wood is still in, um, Dave Williams, all of a sudden there's a bunch of people running. And I think pretty much when we'll talk about Eric later, but I mean, a lot of these people would be great. You, you know, and I think people are saying, you know, why can't they kind of get together? Um, but they I was- did. Yeah, and they all decided <laughs> you no, drop out. No, you drop out. No, you drop out. You know, you kind of wish it would be organized, but if it's organized, that's when you have the backroom deals, right? That's how we got Biden, for Pete's sake. So, you know, I think people Shannon wants to know: Is this debate put on by Hispanic Republicans with Kim Munson as moderator? Exactly. That's the one. Exactly. All informed. Exactly. That's the one. Um, there's going to be another one. I think Saturday, sponsored by the Women of Weld, and that's going to be in Hudson. Women of um, Weld is an evil have, organization. They have all of that there. So, but anyway, that's just kind of my thought on that. I mean, what do you think? It's like. If people want to run, they should be able to run. And the process is, you know, it's like washing sausage being made. But I think I'd rather have that than backroom deals. Um, and at the way that the voting works, so it'll be March 11th by like roughly 490 members of the Republican Party Central Committee oh, who no. have worked their way up through the caucus system, et cetera. Um, well, not through the and they have to, I mean, probably it'll take more than one round of voting, right? Yes. Well, I don't know if it will or not. I, I remember one year when uh, Ryan Call, the the boss attorney, <laughs> yeah. Everybody thought it would take two or three rounds, and and boom, he came out of the gate and won easily. So you never really know, never really know. Um, it's it's you know, what you'd like to have is one truly grassroots person against one truly establishment person, and see who wins. Um, Eric Audlin is viewed as the establishment person, although he denies it. Um, and you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I like. Yeah, I like Kevin. I like uh, Tina. I, Tina, and, and I really like Dave. So you know, it's it's a uh, I guess a cornucopia of riches <laughs> on the on the grassroots side. Yeah, but but I think that's a thing. It's you know, I go back and forth. On one hand, yeah, you kind of wish it had come down, just like you said, we're a clear choice between one grassroots, one establishment hack, and then we could see who won the grassroots. Um, the fact that there are. I mean, it's good that there are several good candidates in there. Makes it a little messier, uh, you know. I, the way, and am I right? In it's not just a majority, right? It has to be. Well, no, no, no it's, it's not the. I always it's get mixed up. I always get confused. It's, it's, okay, it's fifty fifty percent plus one, um, and and they've got this weird way where they work off and people drop off, and you have more votes and and everything else. Theoretically, they're having paper ballots, right? No clickers. 
uh, you know, do we know there was there was a clicker controversy and a proxy controversy too? They're they're arguing about all of that. Right. But I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about that. Actually, the it is kind of funny the uh, media locally. Well, just a little bit. The Post and everybody has kind of done stories on it. Um, they don't do it on the Democrat side, but that's because they the Democrats do it. I think the old fashioned way where they you know get everybody in the back room and they arm wrestle about it, and then they decide who's going to be the chair. And then, as you said, they don't really have that much. The party itself, the Democrat Party, isn't that big a deal the way it is here too. So, yeah. um, speaking of that, about people jumping in though, okay, so we've got um, um, what's her name, Nikki? What's her name, Nikki Haley, um, running for you know against Donald Trump, and then this tech guy jumped in too. Is he trying to be the new Marianne Williamson? Do you think or something? Oh, or- well, there's always some millionaire, you know, on the Democratic Republican side, um, who who you know wants the fame. Um, and so he's running and, you know, Mike Pence is being played. There were a ton, I think, this weekend of various fundraisers going on. Carl Rove and of all those Carl Rove establishment hack people were going to be down in Texas, I think, I think with Mike Utah. Pence or Utah. OK, Utah. OK. Oh, there we go. Mick Rom- Mitt Romney land. Yeah, yeah. Um, Donald Trump was having some people meeting. Pence was being coy about whether he's going to get in or not. DeSantis is still not doing anything. If I'm DeSantis, I would just. Well, hopefully he would wait, but I would not make any kind of announcement. I would wait to make an announcement too. He can, he can wait. He doesn't have to get be known. No, um, and meanwhile he can keep raising money, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, they raise it. They raise it differently there. Um, this is ba- back to the. Um, Oh, this back to Sandra, back to the caucusing. Look at the caucus in Colorado Springs. The grassroots candidates won, then the establishment petitioned on and took over. Well, that's the thing. And we'll ask, like I said, we're going to have Eric Audlin on on Friday. And we'll ask him that because he now says he's foreclosing the primary. He supports strongly the caucus system and the assembly process, even though he didn't go through that. So we have some questions from him. And as you said, he's kind of he widely. Through the caucus process. He didn't do the assembly process, though. I think he petitioned on. No, he didn't. He won. He won. It was seventy thirty, for both he and and Laura Lyman. Oh, okay. Then I take that back. Okay, my correction. My correction. Um, and your apology to Kevin Lundberg. We have no chart. We have no uh, state. <laughs> Party, uh, like platform. Do that. I apologize. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you to Dave. Thank you to everybody. everybody. On Zoom and really appreciate it. Yeah, that's great comments. Everybody's firing them in hot and heavy. Sorry, I couldn't get to them. And then also, like I said, we'll have Erica on Friday. And also, you may have noticed there's stuff going on in Ukraine. You might have. And meanwhile, World War Three is slowly rumbling can, along. Can China is flying to Russia. Yeah, like Russia. Iran is sending all their things up to Russia so, over the Caspian Sea. And- so we're going to have um, our favorite international expert guy, Robert Spencer, on Friday to help sort of sort this out. I think the last time we had him on, he was like, be worried, guys. Everybody needs to be very worried about this. So- yeah, it just seems like we're stumbling just pleasantly <laughs> heading into World War Three. And there we go. <laughs> yeah. That's great for the military-industrial complex. Yeah. So that's what we care about. And, and good for, for tie makers who do uh, blue and gold ties. So, yeah. so um, you know, the president could wear one and the minority leader of the Senate could wear one. And, you know, they don't care. Don't wear that red, white, and blue. No, no, no. It's gold and blue. We got to forget those stupid people in East Palestine. We need to worry about the Ukrainian pension funds. So. Yes, yes. Okay, that'll do it for us, everybody. We'll see you all on Party Friday. Bye-bye.